We're here, we're live. Can you hear me, Marcus? We're back. Weekender, round seven. And I'm very flat, so I'll let you do a bit more of the talk. <laughs> I was going to try to do the, the same gag I did to you last week where uh, I could hear you, but uh, I was going to pretend I couldn't, but that wouldn't have gone down well on, on live uh, live broadcast. But um, we'll... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll carry on. But yeah, maybe I should have done the intro this week. I know you're you're pretty flat after after Richmond's results yesterday. Usually, I know in the past when or it's mainly been when Carlton's had a bad loss that you've done the intro. But Richmond having a bad loss, it, it hasn't happened too often over the last well since we've started this. So, how are you feeling? More, first and foremost, are you okay? No, is probably the best way to describe it. No, simply. <laughs> No, it's 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 a weird one, and we we talk about this all the time. And obviously, a lot of people that be watching it can probably relate. It's we let football take such a stranglehold on our lives, and if if you're having a flat day, and then your football team goes badly, it just amplifies it by a hundred. And it's yeah, it's one of those ones. So you know, after a long day at work, and then you you drive home, you flick on SEN, and you see them absolutely shitting all over your team. It's not an easy one to to listen to. So no, it's very flattening, but. I think you put things into perspective before we went live and you were like, I have zero sympathy for you because you haven't really struggled recently. And I was like, yeah, okay. And that, it, when you look at it in hindsight, we haven't done too badly, so I shouldn't really complain. But it, uh, definitely not in a good way at the moment, Richmond. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. I mean, if there's one supporter base that can say it to you, it's it's my supporter base. Um, but, you know, when you win when you win three flags, you, 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 you cycle – ends eventually and you got to you got to have that time down the bottom or you know there's no guarantees that you're going to finish bottom four or you know far down there but you know, it looks pretty likely you're not going to play finals but it just happens you know with you know teams that go through success we got you know not every team can do a geelong where they just stay up every single season but um sometimes it's for the best and you just maybe you just have one one down year and then you, you spike back up which you know if if the richmond team that we've seen over the last few years can can probably do that if uh if you keep the right people there, but it looks like it's probably time for regeneration. Just as a neutral, watching the Tigers and and what I saw yesterday, I think I think a regeneration is definitely on the cards. If it hasn't happened already, you guys look um, look pretty flat, especially your your experienced players, the ones that have won those flags. Um, yeah, they just look like not disinterested, but you know that hunger probably isn't there, yeah, you know, as it once was. Yeah, look, it's probably a part of the, the attributing factors to why we're playing the way we're playing at the moment. It definitely doesn't make it easy when you've got these older blokes, yeah, like you said, probably aren't as hungry as they used to be, which you can understand why in that sense, um, although it's still frustrating as a fan to see it. But, yeah, I think I think we're a little bit in that rejuvenation period in the sense that we have so many young guys playing in that team. Like I think I've brought it up a couple of times now. We've got like seven blokes that have played less than 20 games at the moment, which – is a, is a real positive going forward. And we've got a few blokes as well that are injured or, you know, in and out of the team that could also be playing. They're still in that really young age bracket and, you know, very low amount of games. So it's exciting getting games into these young kids, but we're seeing some mistakes and lack of confidence throughout these games that are definitely hurting us. But, you know, like you said, maybe in a year or two, these kids will have 50 games under their belt and they'll be a lot more experienced, a lot more confident, and we might see a different brand of football again from Richmond. So... Exciting for the future, but disappointing for the present, unfortunately. Yeah, and your injuries don't help as well. Like they, uh, I know they pan towards the the injured players' box yesterday a fair bit in the broadcast, and you look at the the players that were that were missing. There were some pretty key players, so your your injuries haven't helped either. But yeah, I think it's probably time. You know, players like Cochin and Rewalt 
might need to yeah start moving on. Even you know Dylan Grimes coming towards the end as well. So there's there's players there that you can probably just push on a bit like what Hawthorne did, you know, with their some of their premiership stars and um, you know. It just, yeah, it sometimes it just it just comes a lot quicker, or you hit a brick wall harder than you thought you would. So, um, yeah, man, it's, it's definitely no, nah, it's definitely the position we're in at the moment, isn't it? And it's, it's what's more frustrating is like for Jack Rowett, for example, like, yeah, like a lot of people are you know saying, oh, he probably should have given it up last year, he looks past him, but then two weeks prior to the Gold Coast game, he kicks four goals in each game. You think, oh, Jack's not doing too badly, he could play another year. And then you have a game like you did on the weekend and he barely gets a sniff, kicks one goal, and you think, okay, now he's done again. And then next week you could kick four again. Yeah, it's just such a – it's a ruthless cycle where they give you glimmers of hope that they're going to find that form again and then they go back down. And I think when that starts to happen, you're right. I think it's definitely, you know, let's call it a wrap at the end of this season, which I think they will. I think that was a pretty pretty common census that that's what's going to happen. So we'll wait and see how that pans out. But, yeah, I'm tipping that spot. What will uh, conspire – well, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, well, unless you turn your season around, but you know you've lost five in a row. You haven't won a game in Melbourne. You got you haven't seen a win this year, have you? So it's it's pretty barren at the moment. It's been very frustrating, and I honestly like I went in with all expectations that we'd beat Gold Coast, and not just because I thought Gold Coast is shit. I just thought we played really well against Melbourne. We've been in every game we played in this year, and I mean, I just thought the hunger would be there in the sense that we had to win to sort of keep our season slightly on track. Like it was already pretty derailed at that point, but I thought to give up any glimmer of hope, we had to beat the Suns um, and we just couldn't get it done. And now coming up against West Coast this weekend, I mean, that for me, like two weeks ago, that was sort of a penciled in win. But looking at it now, I'm thinking, oh, geez, if we lose this, I don't know what I'll do. It's going to be a very grim result if we lose to the the Eagles next week. But um, one week at a time and yeah, we'll just see how it all pans out. No, if you if you lose to West Coast next week, oh, there's going to be serious heads rolling. If, if if you lose to West Coast, there'll be serious issues at Richmond. Like if you Luke can't beat West Coast next week, they're gen- genuinely a a buy at the moment for most teams. I'll I'll won't just be pointing fingers at the players. I'll be looking internally. I'll be looking at the board. I'll be doing yeah. the full rebuild if uh, we lose to West Coast next week. Yeah. So. Look, hopefully it doesn't come to that. And next Monday night, we're talking. I'm talking a bit more positively about the game. Um, but well, yeah, you, we'll wait and see. You we'll did lose to the uh, uh, to the terrible North Melbourne last year as well. So you don't have a good track record in it. No, we did. We did. But in saying that, at least North didn't have like their whole VFL list playing that week. Where the yeah. like West Coast, I, got, I was looking at West Coast list the other night, and there are players in that team. I've never heard of. Like, you know, normally you'll see a name, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that guy before. Like, there was hardly anybody. There was a handful of guys, and then most of them I couldn't tell you who they were. So West Coast are very depleted right now, like we've mentioned before, having uh, old stars returning in the VFL just to fill numbers. That's how depleted they are. So, yeah, look, if we lose to them, there's some – I mean, there's already issues, but the issues will be way worse. Yeah. It might be the might be the Kickstarter you need for your season. A bit like – what it was for Carlton on the weekend as well. So it's a shame that a team, you know, such a an established and team with rich history like West Coast, uh, essentially a a team at the moment that can, you know, uh, a platform to kickstart your season against. It is. It's a it's a real. Sh- it's a shame for the competition as well that you don't. The competition obviously is the AFL. They want wanted to be as even and as close as possible. And when you've got teams like West Coast that you know you can just come out and have an absolute field day against, it's. It's not what you want, one for the club, two for the competition as a whole. So 
I mean, you guys experienced it firsthand on the weekend. I know a lot of Carlton supporters were nervous about this game, thinking what happens if you guys were to lose it, but then you come out and win by over 100 points, Charlie kicks nine, and it just... It's a shimmer, it's a shimmer lacking for a bit lack mm. of a better term. It's um yeah, it's not it's not a great way to be for the West Coast Eagles. But in saying that, it's um you can understand with the situation they're in. I think there's there's reasons and factors towards why they're the way they are. It's not simply they're bad. They're, they've had a lot of bad luck and probably the unluckiest team in the comp at the moment. Yeah. Do you think Adam Simpson's under pressure? He's been there what? It's been pretty much since COVID started. West Coast have been been pretty ordinary and. You know, a coach usually doesn't survive this long with such little wins. Yeah, it's a tough one because, like I said, I think they've just been super unlucky. Obviously, the win-loss ratio isn't where it's supposed to be or where it should be. But I think the fact that they've had so many injuries, they had the whole COVID situation where, like, half their team was just missing, never got to, never got to play games, etc., hasn't helped them. So whether the club's taking that into account, you know, when thinking, do we move him on, I'm not sure. And I like, I like Simpson, I think. You know, I love the way he speaks, I like the way he goes about it. Obviously, I'm not with inside the four walls, but I think the players seem to really gravitate towards him too, from what you know, from what you see on face value. So look, is he the right man for the job? Honestly, who knows? Maybe West Coast just have to concede and just absolutely think, all right, let's start from scratch. The playing list is already young. They're already we're basically starting from scratch with them. Let's start all the way through and new coach, fresh face. Maybe that's the answer. I really don't know though. Mm, yeah, it is a tough one. It is a tough one. But, you know, I've seen coaches lose their jobs. You know, I think he's won three out of his last 30-something games. Like, it's pretty it's pretty bad. Yeah, the injuries have been bad. That Yeah, the COVID issues. But, man, when you're constantly having an injury crisis like this, maybe it's more than the coach. Maybe it's, the you know, the, the whole footy department and the, the strength and conditioning people, fitness people. I think everything, everything probably needs a bit of an overhaul at that footy club. So, um yeah, talk about teams that needed a rebuild. I think West Coast are probably an, an example of a team that probably held is holding on to their their older players for probably too long. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you look at Nick Natnui. Do you remember the last time you saw him playing a game of AFL? Yeah. Like, yeah. and it's a shame because like you want to watch those types of players play, but he just can't get on the park, and you start to wonder. All right, West Coast, is it time to? You know, see if there's a club that wants a Ruckman for one or two years, it might pinch him off you and you might get some value out of him because you're probably not going to get that on the park with him right now. So I think those questions definitely need to start being asked and see if they can get some value for some of their older players that realistically aren't going to take them anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Well, should we just quickly keep touching on that game and we may as well talk about our two teams to to kick things off tonight. and But the Blues, they they did, you know, I was very upset last weekend with you know, Carlton's performances so far this season. And to win by 108 points against West Coast um, is pretty much the exact response every Carlton supporter was after to win in that in that fashion, completely dominant. Um, and, yeah, yeah, you can say it was a very weak West Coast team, which it was. They were putrid. Um, but I think it was the manner and the, the ruthlessness that we did it in was was um, really pleasing. And obviously, Charlie was just something else, wasn't he? He was freakish on the night. Definitely should have had 10. He should have been in double figures. He missed a couple of easy ones. And West Coast had about 15 players on him uh, late in the game. Um, but yeah, it was it was a great, great response. And again, as I said earlier, it, this hopefully kickstarts our season and we're back playing the footy that we've been wanting to play. Well, yeah, exactly right. And you, you, you know, you touch on the fact that, yeah, it was obviously a, a weakened West Coast team, but 
you, you can only beat who's in front of you and to do it in the manner that you did. I mean, I don't remember the last time Carlton beat a team by that much. Like that's that's a ridiculous margin for any side to beat someone by. So for Carlton to do that, I think it's what all the supporters were asking for as a response to the previous weeks and just to say, you know what, now nah, we've been disappointing, yes, but we're really going to put our put our foot in the throat here because I feel like you, tell me if I'm wrong, you watch it closer than I do, but Carlton in the past will get a good lead against a side and probably dial it down a little bit and not really show that ruthlessness. And then other team gets a way to claw back into it a bit. Whereas this week, there was no chance West Coast were coming back. It just it was nonstop relentlessness. And I think that's what the supporter base wanted to see. And I think that's what the boys probably needed as well, just to sort of, yeah, like you said, hopefully for them, kickstart their year. Yeah, well, hopefully it's made them realise what they're truly capable of, the you know, the talent in that group that, you know, if, if, you, if everything comes together, you play in that ruthless fashion like we did. Um, it shows what we can do to teams because this is probably what we should have done to North Melbourne, but we let them back in it and only won by a small margin. And this one kicked nine goals in the last quarter um, was huge. So, now very pleasing. Um, trying to contain it because yes, it is only West Coast, but very happy that we um, got a massive percentage boost and um, and a lot of our better players played themselves into some really good form. So, and it leads into a massive game against Brisbane on Friday night at Marvel. So it's going to be massive. Yeah, absolutely. That's the that's the type of test you want now. You've you've had your bounce back game where it's you've got the win on the board you needed. You have got four wins of the year now. You're in a good spot. You're in the eight. It's where you want to be. But now you want to test yourself again and go. All right, we've got a good side. Brisbane, one of the best in the comp. You've got a great opportunity. They're not at the Gabba, and notoriously they're not great in Melbourne. So here's your chance to really put a stamp back on the competition and say, "No, nah, the Blues are here." So I'm looking forward to watching that one myself as well. Yeah, love it, mate. Love it. Um, well, let's. Uh, we've got our teams out of the way. Yes. Shall we crack into the other action from the weekend? Because there was some ripping, ripping games. Um, I think the to start things off, the Battle of the Bridge never disappoints. It was a, a big finish again. Yeah, mate, it was nuts. And I, I, I think the way the result ended up going was not the way many people would have had picked with the Giants getting up, but. I mean, if anyone was going to kick the match winner, it was always going to be Toby, wasn't it? It's if you if you asked me to put money on the, who would kick the match winning goal, it would have been Toby Green for me. So, no surprise, he was the one that sealed the game. But yeah, what what absolute thriller it was, and it just goes to show that the the Giants can play good football when they when they turn it on, but for some reason they just can't seem to do it consistently enough, or so far from what we've seen. So. I still don't know where I put them in terms of the standings of the overall competition, but I thought they were really good on the weekend and they showed up. And the Swans, again, like you think that they were going to be really dirty from the week before and bounce back super strong. And I tipped them to win quite comfortably against the Giants. So to see the result like this was a surprise, but it was uh, great for us as spectators and neutral fans alike. You think the Swans are, you know, still reeling from that grand final loss? You know, it happens to a lot of teams when they get spanked in a grand final and, is it all starting to unravel a little bit for the Swans? It's hard to say. I've seen, we've seen them play some good football this year, so it's not like they've been terrible every game they've been in. They've played some good quality games. Um, they've shown signs. I'm not quite surprised they got pumped by Geelong because I think the, the trauma and the memories from playing Geelong might have come into play in that game there. Um, but, I, yeah, I, it's, it's really hard to say. We've seen it in the past. Um, I've seen it closely, closely as well with some of the teams that Richmond have beaten in the premierships and then, you know, watching them good the next year, not even play finals. So is Sydney going to be another one of those? I'm not sure. I think they're going to be a fringe top eight team. I reckon I'll be thereabouts, but not convincingly. 
that's from what we've seen so far. But it's a long year. Like, we're still round seven. We've just seen plenty of football left to go. So who knows, really? But what, what are your thoughts on the Swans? Where do you see them finishing up? Yeah, it's a tough one. It really is a tough one because I think I feel like in the past they would have buried this game because they, they had a decent lead against the Giants. And I think the Sydney of old or the Sydney pre-grand final last year probably would have defended that game better or, or held on a lot better than than what they did. Um, and then, yeah, and then obviously the Sydney before that grand final as well wouldn't be losing to Geelong by 93 points. So I don't know. It's it's yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what they do over the next few weeks. This middle part of the season is going to be a real test for some teams. And I think Sydney's yeah in that pack now where it's going to be a real real test to see where they're at and, and whether they, they're going to match it uh, with the best teams this year. So I don't know. They've, you know, they had a pretty good performance a couple of weeks ago against you guys. But you know, is that really, is that really a good sign anymore? Considering Richmond's form, so that I don't know. It's it's hard to read into Sydney. I think we need to give them a few more weeks before we can completely write them off. But I don't think the signs are looking that great for them at the moment. No, exactly right. But like you said, the season is young. But touching on two of the better teams in the comp this year and. We saw an absolute ripping game on Friday night at Marvel Stadium, St Kilda versus Port Adelaide. It was a good way to kickstart the week. It was a really good way to kickstart the week. It ruined a lot of people's tips, I think, because, I mean, on a personnel with St Kilda, I just thought Marvel Stadium, they've been playing such good footy there, the top of the ladder at the moment. They'll not cruise to a win, but I thought, you know, they'd, they'd just get the job done over there. But that was me not realising Port Adelaide's extremely good record at Marvel Stadium, and they came out and continued that, uh, that winning streak they've got over there. Well, it's good to see the um, the top of the table Saints bring a big crowd of twenty five thousand as well to Marvel. That was um, that was good to see. Good to see that their fans are on board the, the Saints train. But <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, it, yeah, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't expect a laugh from you considering you're twenty three thousand yesterday. So that's well, why I just I didn't say anything. I just like <laughs> I realized as soon as I wait, said wait, it, I'm wait. like, you're probably not going to love that as much as you you would. No, but we're also, um, you know, third last on the ladder, not top. So <laughs> we have less reason to be at the games than St Kilda fans do right now. And that's, I do yeah. like this time. I like this time period because I remember a day before Richmond had won their three flags and you know, it happens with every club that becomes successful, but all the bandwagon supporters, you just watch them slowly drop off and fade away. And it's going to be interesting to see who the actual, the true supporters are. And you're starting to see with St Kilda, there's people I didn't even know went for St Kilda that are now... Yeah posts and stories and this and that. And I'm not saying everybody, but there's a few from every club. So uh, I'm looking forward – well, I'm not looking forward to it because you don't want to see it, but it'll be interesting to see who does slip away and and who does come up in terms of um, supporters being bandwagoners. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, it was a good game on Friday night. I thought the Saints had them. But, yeah, Porter, Porter pretty impressive. Um, their their gun players really stood up. And Jason Orr Francis looks like he's absolutely comfortable in his new home and – and you know, being back in Adelaide, so he's he's doing great things there. He's going to be a superstar for them. Um, I thought Ollie Wands is really good. That that they they look like they've got a really good mix again, Port, where they're really yeah going to be in the hunt for it again this year. So um, good on them. Like they, you know, and Ken Inkley is obviously a very well respected coach. The players absolutely love him, and he deserves some success. So I think they'll um yeah if they keep this up, they'll definitely go close this year. Yeah, well, it was the bounce back a lot of people probably predicted from Port. I mean, they had that awful start last year. Where it was a zero and five, I think they might have been yeah. last year. And then, you know, they they bounced back and not not quite getting to finals, but they did bounce back in a 
in a, in a way that would have given people hope for this season. And I think we're starting to see that hope come to fruition now. And they're actually playing very, very good football. And they're, they're starting to beat good sides and away from Adelaide. So it's, um, yeah, like you said, great signs for Port fans at the moment. And nothing to worry about from St Kilda's point of view. I don't think it was a game that's a respectable enough one to drop. You don't want to drop any games, but I wouldn't be looking into this one too much. He's still had a great season so far. And it wasn't like they played poorly either. I thought it was a pretty well-played game from both teams. Yeah, absolutely. So I think they'll, um, yeah, they'll definitely both be up there come the end of the season. Um, what else did you, what else did you notice from the weekend? I know there was a couple of ripping Sunday games, or one in particular was a really good Sunday game. Yeah, there was a few, like you said, a few great games. The uh, obviously the Geelong Essendon game was extremely high scoring. I didn't watch much of it. I was at the Richmond game, unfortunately, as uh, Dom in the comments has mentioned. Don't even bother mentioning it, but. It was uh it was a very yeah, look, I didn't get to watch much of it, but just seeing the scoreline, like, you know, 20 goals, 12, 132 to 16, 8, 104. It takes you back to how footy used to be when the scores were that high all the time. And I think that's the type of football we want to see more often. Um, so it was exciting to see. Essendon, I think, put on a good show as well. Like Geelong, obviously the better team, and I think 95% of people would have tipped them to win the game, but I think Essendon put on a real good fight. Wiedemann's been fantastic at the Bombers. I think it was the, the move he needed. I think he's playing some good football down there as well. And then Tomahawk nearly came out and showed up Charlie Kerner with his, I think, eight in the end, I think it was. And then he was looking likely for 10 as well, same as Charlie. So, yeah, look, great. It was, a good, it was an interesting game, but I don't think it had really anything on the, uh, the Adelaide-Collingwood game, which I know you'd be very excited to talk about. Fucking hell. Um, just before we go on to the Collingwood game, the Geelong-Essendon game. So Geelong kicked the first six goals of the game, I think. Essendon were pretty much non-existent in that first quarter. Tom Hawkins was putting on a show. But after quarter time, if you don't count the first quarter scores, Geelong only won by a point. So Essendon really did match it with them for the next three quarters. It was just that really bad first quarter that let them down. So if you look at it like that, the Bombers, um, the Bombers did quite well. Yeah, and I think the Bombers have definitely exceeded expectations so far this season as a whole. Like, they've, they've again, played good football. They're matching it with good sides. And, you know, you're going to have dips, like, with that one quarter where they were poor against the Cats. But um, that's just because they're young and they're developing still. And you, you give them another how many games we've got left, you know, 12, 13, whatever it is, um, it's going to give them plenty of opportunity to grow even more and potentially play out a full game. And, you know, who knows what will happen then. So, Exciting signs for Bombers fans, even though they had a 28-point loss. I still think it's yeah, something to look forward to. They do have a tough next two weeks. So they got Port at the Adelaide Oval and then Brisbane at the Gabba. So that's going to really, really test them. Um, if they can get a win out of them too, then, yep, absolutely. But it'd be hard for them to, to get a win against those two teams, especially interstate as well. But signs are good for the Bombers at the moment, even if it's not this year. I think, um, yeah, the, the, the future's looking good for them. Yeah, 100%. Well, after those two games, they do have a percentage boost of the week after against us at Dreamtime. So it'll, uh, it'll be interesting for the Bombers to see if they can uh, well, get I can't remember the last time Essendon won a Dreamtime game. So, Well, we, 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 had a similar, we had a similar record against Essendon that we did to Carlton before last year. I think it was it was nearly 10 years since I think we've lost to Essendon. So it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is the first year I've actually, we're you know, heading into a Dreamtime game that I haven't been confident we'll get the win, which is something different, but just show sign of the times. Well, there's a lot to play out between now and then. You never know. You might, again, your West Coast game might uh, might do wonders for you. Well, then we've got Geelong after that. So I think that no, might be okay. back yeah. down a peg. So we'll wait and see. It's a long time. Oh, like, yeah, long, long, long time till the game. But we'll, uh, I know you're trying to avoid it, but we'll, we'll, we have to talk about the, the game of the round. And I, 
it's not a surprise anymore that Collingwood are producing the games of the round, are they? It's, uh, you know, 58 to 59 Adelaide versus Collingwood. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable <laughs> game of football. No, I couldn't hold that in. It was, um, yeah. Put the, comment, mean, put the comment up, Quinn. I will. I will. So people will be sorry. I realize that was out of context. We, we need to give some context as to why we're laughing. <laughs> Me and mum watching while mum was on a new exercise bike. Hi, Vincent Nana. Thank you very much for tuning in. <laughs> Hope you're enjoying the bike, Nana. But um, uh... <laughs> we'll get back to the football. It was, uh, yeah, look, it was an absolute shot. And again, I, as an opposition side coming up against Collingwood in front at three-quarter time, you must be shitting your pants. I thought must be the only thing that goes through teams' heads now when playing Collingwood because they're never safe. And to be honest with you, I would have been surprised if Collingwood didn't come back and win this game. I know everyone goes, oh, it's magical, but I feel like now it's just what you expect, which just, you know, it's a testament to how well Collingwood play and come up clutch. And considering some teams tend to lose all these close ones, Collingwood just, you know, can't seem to yeah, always win them. I just, I just don't get like what's the point in in leading Collingwood anymore you know but you may as well you may as well just do what they do for the first three quarters be shit let the other team dominate and then you can run over it like I just I don't know I, I'm back on to you know this is bullshit now because it, how, how many times does this happen so you're, you're you're back on the Collingwood isn't that good train higher well did you watch the first three quarters they were terrible no, I was and then oh, then then somehow they come and win, you know, by a point when they uh, no way should have won that game. I guess I only I only watched the last half. I only watched the last half when I got home from the other game. But oh, look, I don't know. Like I, it, I'm it, definitely it, I'm it, definitely not in the camp of Collingwood of fluking wins. I I think they're. Well, no, no, I'm not uh, saying it's a I'm not definitely not saying it's a fluke, but it just it just um, I can't wrap my head around what they're doing. Like it's ridiculous now. I think it's that's their fi- the fifteenth time they've done that. Yeah, it, it's it's nuts. And here you go. Collingwood don't play good for three quarters and play one good quarter. Do you think this is sustainable for finals footy? Well, well it didn't work I from mean, last year in the finals. It didn't, but they're a more developed team now. They're more experienced. And I don't know. What, what, what's our definition of not playing good football, though? Like, I didn't see the first half, so I can't comment on this week's game. But I feel like every other game, they're not outstanding and they're, they're just – they, they're just good enough to keep themselves in it. And then they just have one blistering quarter, which happens to be their last. Whereas some teams, like Geelong on the weekend, came out really early in the first and had that dominant court. Like, you know what I mean? So it's maybe they just time their run well and they just preserve themselves a little bit. And they, they do, like you said, it could be deliberate. Maybe the way to beat Collingwood is to just cruise for three quarters and just keep yourselves thereabouts and then try and blaze away in the last and try and match them there. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I, just, I still think I think Collingwood are, in a, are playing outstanding football, and it's scary to think that they could potentially win another flag this year or get that far at least. And it's as a as a neutral fan of a big four club, it's um it's not exciting. No, well, I just that's, I think that's I just I just can't wrap my head around what like that was my mindset last year. Like this, the stats just weren't in Collingwood's favour, and then they were just somehow winning winning these games, and then they're doing it again this year. Like I just it. Defies logic what they're doing, and that, I think that's why, you know, some like, actually the start of this year they were playing some brilliant footy, and you know, all credit to them, they were probably the best team in the competition at that stage, and they were playing great. But the last few weeks they've crept back into the what the way they were playing last year, and you know, playing pretty average for three, and you know, dominating one, and somehow they're pulling it off every bloody time. I just don't, I don't, 
yeah, it's it's I don't know. It's hard, like it is honestly hard to 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 really yeah put logic to it. It's it's crazy how how often it's happening. Well, maybe like and it, look, this is this is extremely hard for me to say out loud, but maybe that's the beautiful thing about the way they're playing football is that there is no logic to it. It's it doesn't make sense, but maybe it doesn't have to, and that's why maybe that's why they're winning. It's it's something different. Like I, I can't wrap my head around it either. How it's it's continually the same narrative week in, week out. Like, it, how often have we seen, oh, Collingwood have belted a team or Collingwood have won really convincingly? Like, it's most weeks, it's mm. within six points that Collingwood have managed to get this win or within 10 points, whatever it is. Uh, again, I don't know. It's, yeah, I can't wrap my head around it either. I just know that they're playing really good football um, and it'll be scary to see where they can take their season this year. If they keep it up, but it's still early. Like we, we saw Melbourne start the season ten and zip last year, and look how that worked out. So we we don't know what will happen. It's a long year, like I keep saying, but all signs point to Collingwood, you know, going deep. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you hypothetically, if Richmond are you know 30, 30 40 points up at three quarter time against Collingwood, you've played amazing, great game, you're completely dominating them. You're not feeling safe, are you? You're like, what's the point? You can't, you know. You almost yeah, just what? accept the fact that they're going to come back no matter what you do. Well, certainly not Richmond this year, that's for sure. But, yeah, like, no, you're I'm right. talking know, about it at a different time. I know what you're getting at. Yeah, yeah, no. Nah. Um, no, 100%. You, you're, not, you're not safe. You just and – and I think that's why Collingwood supporters have so much faith in their club because I know that there's that, that never-say-die attitude that's going about it. And I don't know if Craig McCray's introduced that. I don't know if that's where it's come from or – if the players have just, you know, over the year, a lot of the players have been together for years now. So whether it's just a belief they've got within themselves, I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, they're gelling, it's working, and they never count themselves out of games of footy, which I think that's what a lot of clubs do. You watch, you watch other teams play and they might be, you know, four or five goals down. And in your head, you can you can tell what their body language is while they're like, uh, this is it for us. We'll just cruise through the last quarter, get through injury free and try again next week. Whereas Collingwood are like, Nah, nah, fuck that. We're 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 gonna win this game, and you know they do. They do week in and week out, and it's 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 bloody tough to watch, but it's also good football to watch, which hurts me to say as well. Yeah, I know it's it it, it it's hard because I know I still didn't fit, like yesterday's game. Though, I didn't even think they played. Even when in their comeback, I didn't even think they were playing great footy. It was just it was pretty scrappy. They were just getting it forward. Um, I don't know if, if luck's the word. It, it can't be luck because they've done it way too often. So, but good on them. They're doing it. Um, you know, maybe maybe I've just still got PTSD from from the last round last year in that uh, in that terrible game, which, which they did they did exactly to us what uh, what they do to everyone else. Um, and we play them in two or three weeks, so can't wait for that. Very exciting. I actually tried to get a ticket to that game uh, last week and I couldn't get anything apart from like right level four, right back up where the windows are up there. So I didn't bother, but it's going to be an absolutely uh, packed out game and it's going to be exciting to watch. And as Vincenzo said here, good teams will eventually work them out and will strangle hold them and will strangle them in the last quarter. Well, we, I don't know. Think we teams would, would have done that already. That's what I mean. I mean, look, look, there's every chance that'll happen. And like I said, but do they drop off? I mean, how long can you sustain that brand of football? I'm not sure. Like, we saw it for half a season last year because when you think about it, up until I think the midway point of the year, whatever it was, they weren't doing that. So they did it for half a season last year. They've started the year doing that already. Can they maintain it for 24 weeks of football? I'm not sure. I'm not mm. saying they can't. I just genuinely don't know. So it will be interesting to see. 
will teams like Geelong, Melbourne be able to, you know, plan for this and go, all right, no, nah, this is how we're going to beat them. We're going to work around it, blah, blah, blah. So it'll be, yeah, a, a good watch, but a, a long one at that. Yeah. Well, I just hope we are not winning at three-quarter time against them in a few weeks because what's the point? You'd rather, yeah, you'd rather be down, wouldn't you? You'd rather yeah, honestly, you'd rather be you'd rather be down because you just know it's coming. Anyway, giving them way too much airtime for my liking. So, <laughs> uh, unfortunately for us, they've they've definitely earned it. They're, uh, they're the talk of pretty much everybody at the moment. And uh, Nick Dacos again, like you know, yeah, he's obviously the talk because everybody keeps saying he gets cheap touches, this and that. And I was in that camp a few weeks ago, but watching him more closely, the kid is a genuine star and. Like you said, he could be the best player we've ever seen if he continues yep. the way he's going. So there yep. you go, Colin. Well, that's enough of a pump up for you well, guys. This talking, week. talking about great players, I think it would be uh, remiss of us not to mention this guy, but the Bont played his 200th game on the weekend. Um, yeah, one of the greats, one of the greatest of all time and and still one of the one of the best players, if not the best player in the competition this year as well. So um and the doggies, I think the doggies are quietly going about their business as well. They've uh, strung some win- wins together and put themselves in a really good spot. Yeah, they're flying under the radar at the moment, which I think is exactly where they'd like to be, just going about their business, getting it done. Um, and Bontempelli, like, I love the stats. He would have to be one of the younger 200-game players going around. Like, I'm pretty sure Bontempelli is my age, which is 26. So if he's done 200 games at 26, he's got a lot of football left in him. That, that's scary how many games he might be able to play one day if he keeps injury-free and going about it the way he's going about it. So, yeah, he's one of the stars of the game. Um, I'd love to see him win at Brownlow one year. He's just one of those players that you just you can see doing it, um, especially if the Doggies have a really successful season, which if they keep going about it the way they are, they might, it might be this year. Who knows? But, again, another comfortable win. They were expected to beat the Hawks the way they did, so they, they got the job done just like you'd expect them to. But... Yeah, like you said, I think you worded it perfectly, just going about their business. Yep, absolutely. But in saying that, the Hawks actually did look pretty good in that game. They were very competitive. They were probably the better team at halftime. So the Hawks, everyone thought they were going to be the most uncompetitive side in history, but they've uh, they've definitely been in most of their games this year. It's probably a couple where they've got absolutely smashed, but they've uh, they've definitely held their own in, in, in a lot of their games. Now, I think people were very quick to write Hawthorne off, which um, I wasn't in that camp. I didn't think they'd be as competitive as they've been, but I didn't think they'd be, you know, the most uncompetitive team in uh, in history. I didn't think they'd be that bad, but a lot of people did. A lot of people did. And like you said, halftime, they were right in this game and almost every chance to, to pinch it. But, you know, that's where experience sort of comes into play and Hawks don't have a lot of it at the moment. So that's probably where they fell off and Bulldogs just did what they had to do and clawed over the top of them and got the win. So... Another, look, another decent game, and Hawthorne games at the moment are actually quite exciting to watch whilst they're playing their good brand of football. Once they start to drop, it becomes a bit harder to watch. But um, when they're playing their their, their brand and um, doing it well, it's, it's it's good football to watch. Yeah, 100%. And Mitch Lewis, um, back for his first game, was clunking everything. He was, um, he was great. So it just shows how important he is to the Hawks as well. And like last year, he was one of the best forwards in the competition. So to have him back is definitely going to help them. Oh, huge. He's one of my favourite forwards in the comp that doesn't wear the yellow and black. I love watching Mitch Lewis go about it. He's just, he's got buckets for hands. Like you said, he clunks everything. Um, and I think once he, again, he's still, he's still so young, a couple more seasons into him, a bit more accuracy in front of goal, he's going to be an absolute star if he's not already because, he's, like you said, he was one of the best last year. Um, I'm excited to see where this year takes him. 
Yeah, 100%. All right, mate. Well, anything else before we wrap up? Anything caught your eye? Any slaps this week? Richmond well, Footy Club? Yeah, I could slap the whole Richmond Football Club. Um, now, nah, look, there's a few things I'm buying. Oh, well, you know what? No, I do have a slap. I do have a slap. So I'm going to I'm gonna cue the video now because I didn't plan on saying this one. But you know what? Sometimes on the fly is the best way to go. So yep. let's bring it. <laughs> oh, wow. All righty. I love watching that video. But the slap, right. the slap for this week is, uh, and I'm not, again, I told myself I wouldn't do it this year, but the um, I'm umpire bashing again. And. It's nothing to do with Richmond, believe it or not. But the it's been the talk of the town. The Adelaide Collingwood game by far has to be the worst officiated game of football. I didn't see the first half, mind you. I only saw one half of football, and it, the the officiating was was shocking. I mean, the Ash Johnson tackle in the last quarter, going into goal, how how that wasn't paid high is beyond me. He he, he couldn't have made it more obvious. He had a whole arm. He was basically choke choke holding him like that. It was. It was bonkers, oh, and I follow this bloke on um, on Twitter. I think I think the page is called like "Has the umpire made the right decision or something?" And he's an ex-umpire that reviews decisions that people send them in. And even he even he made a, a tweet the other day, and he said that's the worst game of umpiring I've ever witnessed. So it just goes to show, you know, when one of their owners even calling it out, it, it must have been pretty bad. And I don't know, is this just an accumulation of what we've been seeing bits and pieces of throughout games in the past couple of years? I mean, people talk about how the umpiring shocking all the time, and Obviously, it comes from a place of bias, but I mean, even myself, you can ask people I watch the football with. Like, I'm constantly saying, "How has that been missed?" or "How is that called?" And it's just, I know it's a hard game to umpire, and I get it. But are we not putting enough investment into the umpires and the training that goes around it? it? What we've put an extra umpire on the ground, and I feel like it hasn't made it any better. So it's just, what what is the answer? Obviously, it's a tough game. It's never going to be perfect. I think we could all accept that. But to see what we saw on the weekend just isn't good enough. And I haven't seen the AFL comment about it or anything yet, but I'd be, I'd, oh, I dare them to tick it off and say, no, nah, we approve of this. I, I dare them to. I'd love to see how Collingwood supporters react, especially with some of the decisions they didn't have paid for them. So anyway, what? that's my start for this week. Hopefully I'm not umpire bashing anymore this year. Well, you say that, Quinn. I think the AFL did come out and say that they got that wrong. So oh, I, did. I, did see, I did see something that... Uh, yeah, they weren't backing it up. They were saying, yep, that was wrong. I think there was the Ash Johnson one in the goal square. Um, yeah. And I think the Nathan Murphy one as well. So I think those oh, two they, they, Okay. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I, uh, I ate my own words there. Uh, that... I'm not sure if it was if like an AFL official, but I think there was definitely like a statement saying that they've come out and, yeah. Well, that – I can't believe they've done that. That's taken – I think it was, I mean, it, was too, it was too obvious not to, I think. I know, but we've seen we've seen some absolute stinkers in the past that were dead obvious, and they've just gone. Now we back them in, so I, I don't know. I'm surprised. I'm surprised. Actually, I did want to ask you. This is more on a personal level. I'm not saying it was right or wrong. I just want to know a neutral supporter's um, thoughts on it because I, I, I'm not too sure, and it was different. But the one I've seen a little bit in the media talks about was the uh, the rush behind after Dustin Martin's dribble on goal. Did you see that one? No, but I I saw like a little article about it. Run me okay, through okay. it. We're probably not the best one to talk about it then. Well, so Dusty's he's picked up the ball. He's probably I don't know why he's done this, but he's probably he's 45 out and he's tried to dribble it through the goals. And it, you know, to be fair to him, it was going in. Like it was actually a really good kick. Going in, but Gold Coast player, he's probably there was no one within 20 meters of him, and he's jumped up and just punched it straight over the goal line. And 
a lot of people were calling for deliberate. And I thought of maybe just Richmond supporters looking for a cheap goal. But then even in the media afterwards, a lot of people were talking about whether or not it should have been paid. He wasn't in the goal square, but he was in line with it. So within, like, how big is the goal square now? 10 metres, whatever it is. So he was within that 10-metre distance. But there was also no players within about 20 metres of him, if not more. So I, I don't know. I don't know where the rule stands on that. Is it because he was within 10 metres of the goal that it's not deliberate or i got no idea. That's why I thought I'd, I'd put the question out to you. It doesn't help that you haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Maybe if you get it up here, we can um, we can run through it, but uh, that might be a bit tough for you. But, yeah, I, I get fly, it. Yeah. yeah, I get it. It's uh, it's tough. It is tough, this umpiring at the moment. But, I mean, they just, they've, they've added an extra one to sort of help with, with this sort of stuff. But, yeah, I mean, you can say human error, but it does happen a lot and, um, and it is a hard game to umpire. So... I don't know, mate. But yeah, that that on the weekend was pretty bad. And lucky Collingwood didn't lose because that would have been a lot worse if they did. If they lost by less than a kick and that us Johnson one was missed, oh, mate. I, I know they don't have umpire escorts in the AFL like they do at junior football level, but geez, you'd want some. You'd want some because yeah. that, that would have come, yeah, that would have come hard at the, um, at the umpires as well. But one thing I will say, though, about the fourth umpire is I've noticed a lot of it, which is a good thing. Is that I've seen a lot more decisions paid by the uh, the unofficiating umpire. So when the officiating umpire might be stuck behind a player or something gets missed because of the angle that he's on, an unofficiating umpire is spotting things now, which they've always done. But I think with the extra umpire, it gives more angles. And I've seen a few more decisions paid from unofficiating umpires, which I actually haven't minded. I think that's been definitely a good thing. So there are some positives with the extra umpire, just not as many as I'd like. Yeah. Yeah. All good, mate. Well, glad you got that off your chest and it wouldn't be a, a rant, a Quinn rant without some sort of umpire bashing. Yeah, oh, actually, that that reminds me, before we wrap up, I've got one more thing to talk about as well. And I think was it, I could butcher it. Was it Graham Corns that made that comment about the Victorian bias? Did you see that? Doesn't surprise me, but I, have, I haven't seen it. I'm pretty sure it's Graham Corns. So correct me in the comments if I'm wrong. <clears throat> Graham Corns came out and he made a statement saying that he believes there's a strong Victorian bias that Adelaide and Port Adelaide are currently sitting at the bottom of the uh, AFL free kick differential ladder. And he goes, it's a Victorian bias. I'd like him to go check the last six seasons and see who was at the bottom of that ladder and see if it was Port Adelaide or Adelaide because I guarantee you he'll find that the team at the bottom of that ladder was wearing yellow and black (laughs) in a very strong Victorian club. So if you think there's a bias there, mate, honestly, go stick it up your ass. There's not a chance now that that's what's going on. I mean, come on, mate. We, we got a, we've got a whole round now dedicated to South Australia, and you still think there's a Victorian bias. There's just more clubs in Victoria. Get over yourself. So that, that pissed me off because mm. if that's a Victorian bias, then we've been absolutely shafted. <laughs> so Yeah. Well, it's not a best – no, I hate it when people think it's a bias when it comes to umpiring where – I think you. I think you were telling me that there there was like a podcast episode or something about people that think the umpires are against their team. I I just I don't yeah, get I, it. I, I know that like because like, like I said, R- Richmond have been at the bottom of that differential ladder for I reckon. I reckon it was yeah. like five years in a row. If for I'm being wrong. for being undisciplined. Well, there wasn't. Yeah, look, there's a lot of undisciplined things, but I've never been under the impression that like a lot of Richmond supporters will tell you that it's been targeted and. Like you know, oh, Richmond, Richmond just hate like the AFL doesn't want Richmond to succeed. That's why that you know that's why we're getting shafted by the umpires. Anyone who genuinely believes that, like you, you've got to take a good hard look at yourself. I just think it's just 
you know, one, yeah, we, we are an undisciplined side. I won't deny that. But two, it's just bad luck. It's just the way it's worked out. There's obviously no bias. Like the umpires don't have anything better to do than go out there and think, you know what? We're going to really stick it up Richmond's ass this week. I got, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I can't see, I really can't see that happening. And for those that say it's, it's from the AFL down, in what world would the AFL want one of the biggest clubs in the competition to be shit? Like where you're not making any money from that happening. So that doesn't make sense either. So all those arguments are out the window, but yeah, you're right. It's a it's a ridiculous argument that you know anyone's being deliberately shafted by the umpires or there's any bias towards it. I just think it's luck of the draw, or you know maybe game style as we learn. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely, mate, hundred percent. I'm glad you got that off your chest. And um, as we get another comment come up, yeah, it sounds like he's taking a leaf out of Megan Markle's book. God help us all. Well, I haven't read it yet, but I've heard some of the uh, the comments about it. So it does make a lot of sense. It uh, yeah, it'll be um. I don't know. It'll be an interesting watch to see if they stay down the bottom of that ladder, though. That's that's the real um, that's the real kicker. I, I haven't seen it myself, so I don't even know the numbers. But um, yeah, an interesting watch. That's pretty yes. much it. That's pretty much it. Make sure you do all check out some of the merch that we've got. I've got the hoodie with me here. I wore this on the weekend, so it, need, it does need a wash because I was uh, sweating up. You can't really see much in this lighting, actually. It's kind of terrible, but you can see the nice Pressure Point branded hoodies here. Very nice, very comfortable, very fleecy. Kept me warm at Footy the other day. Get a quick look here. You can see it. You can't really see it. My camera's not good enough. My camera's not good enough. But you've got my word that these are great hoodies. And if you haven't got one, definitely jump across and check those out. And if you're a fan of either Old Dark Blues or Tiger Den, we have those hoodies out now as well. Same material, just different logos on them. So if you want to support the channels, jump across and uh, pick one of those up. Well said, mate. Well said. Yep. It's uh, definitely getting cold at the moment. So make sure you get some of those hoodies and... um, and yeah, make sure you're, you're repping winter in style. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, that's that's pretty much it, Marcus, for another week of the weekender. It's uh, here we go. We've got another good comment here from Vincenzo. The hoodies are great. If you ever needed a reference, this is the one. So definitely <laughs> check that out. Again, a big thank you to Gavos Freight Solutions, Peter and the team down there do a great job and have supported us for quite a while now and we couldn't do everything we're doing without their help so if you anything need freight related definitely go help uh give peter a call the details are all below but that is it for the episode marcus before we let you go anything else catch your eye you want to quickly mention or you're happy to call it a day yeah i think that's it mate it's been a been a big round of footy as always and um and the rounds are just going to keep getting bigger and very much looking forward to this weekend in particular friday night on a personal level with the blues up against the Lions under the Friday night lights um, in a big, big game. So, no, very much looking forward to, to the next week and, um, yeah, hope everyone had a, a great weekend as well. Absolutely. Well, that is it, everybody. Thank you again for tuning in. Thank you for watching, supporting. It's all uh, very greatly appreciated, but hopefully you enjoyed the week of footy that was and uh, look forward to the weekend of footy that's coming up. So we'll see you all next week for round eight of the weekend. Bye.